Greetings and welcome to our Pulse and Foursquare podcast. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins, and I greatly appreciate you have joined us today. Throughout this year of 2022, God has led me to emphasize unity among the Church of Jesus Christ. As written in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, the Apostle Paul wrote to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, especially in these last days in which we live, I believe God is calling His church and His bride to come together as one in Christ. And in doing so, it really displays the beauty of what we are all to be and how His church and His kingdom will grow and reach our world today. So as we go through the Word together, I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you through these messages and give you wisdom and revelation as to how we are called to be His unified church and then sent out to be witnesses of His Word, His love, and His presence. I pray that you will be blessed by our podcast and that you will be edified and enriched in God's Word today. So may God bless you all. Um, was conquered by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, who conquered the city and brought all the exiles back to Babylon, those that survived, rather. Um, Daniel was of royal blood, along with others, and those that were of royal blood, that were uh, handsome, that were, a very, you know, appeared very noble and wise, uh, these young men were put into a strict training for three years to be put into the king's service, and they were also, these young men were made eunuchs. Uh, eunuch means, means what it means. Uh, they, they were castrated. Um, they were also taken away their... Basically, you know, this was taking away your future as, um, as a Hebrew. There will be no other, you will never have family. You will be put into the service of the king forever. Um, they were also put into the strict indoctrination into the Babylonian uh, pagan teachings and of their gods they also took from them their Hebrew names and gave them Babylonian pagan god names. So a lot of these things would be pretty depressing, to say the least, would be pretty discouraging that you stole from me my identity. Have you ever had your identity stolen from you before? You know, credit cards, and it's just a real pain. It's, you know, people steal things. And why do they do such horrible crimes? And they get away with it a lot of times. This was a crime against them. It was a crime. It was sad. It was stealing from them their true identity. But there's, there is a but God in this story. The but God in this story is that Daniel uh, remained faithful to his God in the midst of these challenges in a pagan world that they were forced to be living in. Um, and you might say, we live in a world that is not all godly either. We're surrounded by things too. Will we remain faithful to our faith in our God no matter what? To not make compromises because Daniel was going to refuse to make compromises. And he was also respectful at the same time. What seems insignificant in that first chapter was that uh, they were told to eat the royal food and, and drink the royal wine and all that stuff. And that would have been pretty, you know, to a lot of people. Like, why would you ever turn that down? Well, there was significance behind it besides just eating good food and, and wine at the time. But it was actually against their beliefs because this was coming from the Jewish Hebrew background, of course, this would not have been kosher Jewish food. This would have been, you know, against what they believed they should not eat. Much of it would have been sacrificed to idols and so on. He didn't want to make any compromises, so he requested that they would eat only, you know, test me in this for 10 days. I'll eat only vegetables and drink water for 10 days. He went to the, the chief of the eunuchs 
And the chief of the eunuch was like, you know, you're going to get us all killed if you do this. And he goes, just try it. Well, he found to be, after those 10 days, he and his friends, that they looked healthier than all the others. And so their stance for their beliefs actually made a difference for other people. When you make a, a stance for your faith in different areas, you can make a difference. Uh, and I shared a little bit about that last week. But God also blessed them it, at the same time with even more. And he, it says in that chapter that he blessed them with greater wisdom and understanding. And for Daniel, the uh, interpretation of dreams. So there was a supernatural element to it as well that he started seeing and understanding things of the spirit and dreams and visions. Now this later got the attention of King Nebuchadnezzar, as we will read, who saw Daniel and his friends had this greater wisdom than any of the others. But this is what happened in this next chapter. I want to read through the first portion of this. I won't read all of it, but I'm going to read through the first half of it anyways. It said, in the second year of the reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and in his mind he was troubled, so he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. And when they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers asked the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut to pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. No pressure at all. <laughs> but if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from the, me the gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. And once again, they're pleading. The more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we may interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time. Well, yeah, naturally. Uh, and because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided, if you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, there is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No, the king, however, no king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. And what the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men in Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and the men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death, because they were also seen as wise, right? When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officers, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel at this. Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons, and he sets up kings and disposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning, and he reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. And I thank and I praise God. Oh, Praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power, and you have made known to me what we have asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Let's close 
with that. Lord God, we just ask in Jesus' name that you may also reveal to us the word that you want to plant within each of us by your Holy Spirit. Would you speak to us through this story today that we may apply it to our own lives and situations that there, your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, that it may penetrate joints and marrow. Lord, that is what your word tells us. And Lord, this is your living word for us today. And I ask that we may receive it as such in Jesus' name. Amen. Looking at this chapter, this describes the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had and Daniel's interpretation. And later on in that latter part of that chapter, I would encourage you to read it. Uh, but I will refer to that, just the interpretation that Daniel was to give later on. Um, how many of you can remember your dreams? Anyone can, you have vivid dreams and you can remember them. Usually I'm just so tired I can, I can vaguely remember them. And I have friends that have dreams and they're very vivid and they go, God spoke to me in my dream. And I'm like, wow. You know, I mean, that, that is so cool that God does that because God certainly still speaks to us in dreams. Does God ever speak to you in dreams or visions? You know, maybe it's even a, a, a day vision or, or, you know, you get a glimpse of something that you see something. It doesn't have to mean that you're asleep, but that you just have a vision or um, an, uh, your, your mind's eye, if you will, opens up that you may see like, wow, I just really felt like God showed me something or spoke to me something. Uh, he also gives dreams and visions for our future. He gives us an understanding and, and an idea of what he has for us, his plans for us. And for some he does, and there are people uh, that God gives uh, the ability to understand the interpretation of those dreams, even to this day. There are dreams that God places also within us, or things yet to come. You know, desires, he gives you a call gives you a plan. He shows you, this is how I have called you into my service or into, for your life. This is what I have called you into this area. You know, it is our nature to dream dreams. It is God's planting within us a vision. You know, it says uh, in the Old Testament, without a vision, people perish. We have to have a vision. There has to be some element of a uh, a desire, a goal. Some people are called visionaries. Visionaries being that they can see things, the finished product before it gets done, and they can help motivate people to get it done. And so that visionary calling sometimes is, uh, is a powerful gift that God gives to people. Um, there's God places within us dreams because his he has a dreaming nature. He is our creator, and our creator is a dreamer as well. Uh, if you ever seen or heard of the author and speaker Dutch Sheets, he does a, a daily blog called Give Him 15. You can look that up. And, and he just has a lot of amazing words that he shares. I see that on my email. It pops up on my email and uh, also various means of, of reading this. But he has... Uh, he also wrote a book called Dreaming with God. But he was uh, taking excerpts from his book and in his blog from October 17th uh, last month, um, he said this. He said, you may not be aware of it, but you have a dreaming nature within you. I'm not speaking about just night dreams or visions. I'm referring to his desires, his plans, his hopes, his dreams regarding your future. Your, you inherited this part of your nature from your creator and heavenly father, God. God is a dreamer and he created us with his image and likeness so our hearts could relate to his. And in order for his dreaming heart to have Millions of expressions, you were designed to dream. And you must dream, both for yourself and for God. If you don't dream, you can't experience all of his dreams, uh, nor can you achieve the destiny that he's placed within you. 
A life without dreams is like GPS without a satellite. The GPS might operate, but it would lead you to nowhere. It's a horrible destination. And without God-given dreams to guide you, you will travel life's highway searching for a destination that you will never find. Divinely inspired dreams, on the other hand, will guide you to your destiny that God intends for you. Your, des- your designer dreamed dreams for you before you were even born and then skillfully wove them into your DNA as you were created along with the ability to find out what those are and to fulfill those. If you don't discover God's dreams for you, you will either waste your life running the wrong race and crossing the wrong finish line or like many people, having no finish line at all. Other individuals stop running altogether, wandering through life as if they were a maze, hoping they will stumble upon the right exit. What a tragedy. Your creator doesn't intend for us to live with a roll of the dice. You can find his plans and his dreams for you and pursue them with confidence. So I'm calling today's message Dreaming with God because God wants us to dream with them. And, and yet that's part of this as well. I want you to see in this message that God can reveal to you his dreams, but there's also a story behind this and a meaning of this, what happened. Um, the Bible speaks of God using dreams to convey different messages uh, on destiny, on insight, and even revelation to our lives And there are actually 48 instances and verses in which speak about dreams and visions and God's hand in those visions. And there are eight verses which specifically speak about the interpretation of some of those dreams. Um, But we must make our dreams and our visions to make sure they are from God and not from the pizza we had last night or even the or even the enemy that can influence our thoughts. He doesn't read our enemy of our souls. The the devil cannot read your minds. He is not omniscient like God. He mimics and he counterfeits what God does, but he also can influence thoughts through temptations and various things, but he can influence our minds and our thinking through such as bad dreams or nightmares. Those are not from God. And so all dreams and visions need to be compared with an alignment always with the word of God also. Because I've had a lot of people come to me and say, I think God said this. And I've had a, um, a family member writing to me almost every other day because he's had a lot of uh, influences from ungodly sources. And so he has been texting me about every day, and I'm glad he's texting me, but it's just like, where did you get that stuff? It's just like he's asking me questions like, is, um, is the mark of the beast putting clothing on? That type of weird stuff. And I'm like, no, putting clothing on is a good thing. You need to wear clothes, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's not the mark of the beast, I promise you. So it's like, uh, you know, so there's a lot of stuff. I'm just like, where are you getting this uh, stuff? So there, you know, really has to line up with the word of God. Now, having um, read that, you know, this thing, I, I do want to talk about dreaming with God uh, more later in a, in a different message. But I also want to get back to our text in this chapter two about King Nebuchadnezzar's dream and Daniel's interpretation of it. But we pick up in the story of Nebuchadnezzar having this dream that troubled him. So much so, he was disturbed that uh, he knew it was not just insignificant. He knew there was something with this. I have to get this interpretation. I'm going to call my magicians and astrologers and sorcerers and such uh, to come try to interpret it for me. Um, It's hard to say if Nebuchadnezzar really remembered the, the dream entirely or not, it doesn't really say, but he knew there was something bad about this nightmare that he had. And perhaps he had a general sense of it, but only maybe a vague uh, remembrance of the details. So he calls these people to come tell him what he dreamed. 
And so they asked him to, you know, tell, him, tell us what this dream is and then we will make up something whatever it is. <laughs> you, know, that's, you know, we don't know what it is. Uh, but he refused to do that. He refused to tell them the details of his dream, thinking that you guys, if you're truly psychics, if you're truly all these things, you should just know what it is, right? Uh, and they're freaking out. He goes, if you don't tell me, you're as good as dead. Right? I'm going to cut you to pieces and burn down your houses and there'll be nothing left of you. Um, and so the king was uh, telling the king that there was no one that could do that, that for him, ticked him off royally. No pun intended with that. But he said they could, uh, they, there's no one that could do that. There's no one, no enchanter, no sorcerer that's ever going to, not even the gods Little G gods could ever do that because they don't, they're not among men, they said. And so they, he was very upset, enraged, and he told, We're gonna, I'm going to kill you all. And so that included Daniel and his three friends. The wise men in his kingdom were going to be all executed. So Arioch, the, the chief... Um, eunuch told Daniel this, I'm sorry, I've come to kill you. <laughs> sorry. Um, but then he asked, why this happened? Why would the king issue such a horrible decree in this? And so he asked for time. He went, can I go to the king myself? Can I go to him and ask, you know, for time? The, thankfully, King Nebuchadnezzar granted him time to go and seek God for an interpretation and so that's Daniel, what he did. He went back, gathered his few friends, and urged them to pray and to plead God for mercy to be revealed this mysterious dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. And that night, God did just that and revealed the dream and interpretation to Daniel. My first point today is that Daniel responded with prayer. And I want to always recognize that prayer is so crucial and so important in each of our lives that we all don't just freak out and just go stress out to death over our situations that we go through. This was a, not just a stressful thing. This is, I'm dead. I'm dead if some God, you don't come through in this situation. This was a, a big deal. Daniel goes to the king, asking him for this time for the interpretation. And, uh, and so they, they went and they prayed. And they know that it is only God that can get them out of this deadly situation. They know that God's wisdom can reveal the mysteries of life. Are you so confident that in your faith and your God that God can reveal things to you as well? That he does answer prayer, that he can reveal to you things that you, you still don't understand, that God doesn't, we don't always understand the ways of God. But God can give us understanding into some things. And how do you respond to impossible situations? This was pretty impossible. Do you just run from it, stress out, or do you take it to God? Stressing out or getting busy doesn't solve a problem, just so you know. <laughs> it doesn't take it away. When we stress or we get busy to solve the problem, it is not saying we trust in God. But rather, it's saying, I trust in me. I'm not taking it to God, so I'm trying to figure out some way for me to take care of the situation instead. And like the magicians, like the enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers, sometimes we freak out and don't know what to do. And I don't think that we can do anything, but we as believers, our first response should be to pray. When the knife was literally at Daniel's throat, he leans fully in to completely trust in God. They go to God, not demanding for the interpretation, but asking God for mercy. Have mercy on us, Lord, and that you will save our lives. We also need to be a supernatural people. More than just what is in the natural more than, God, open my eyes and understanding to the, to the spirit realm. God is spirit. He's not just what we see. He is spirit. 
And we need to be a spiritual people, not just at church in our, or our personal daily devotional time, but in the toughest of situations. Psalm 46 is a battle song, and the imagery is about battles and defenses, but in the middle of the battle, God says, be still and know that I am God. And I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth when everything seems to be going really bad. And whether you like the results of election last week or not, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be called exalted in all the earth. God answers prayers almost immediately in this situation. Daniel is given a vision of what they, the king dreamt and the king's in, and the dream's interpretation. The battle was won when Daniel got on his knees and prayed. That's where it was beginning to come to be won. And really it was. Secondly, Daniel receives the answer. So there's a, a response and then a receiving to that response. So when we pray, pray, we will receive an answer from God. Do you believe that when you pray, you're actually going to get an answer? And sometimes we pray so nebulously like, God, if it be thou will, according to your great power. And, you know, we, we really can make it sound really good in, in, the, in our prayers. But then we're going, we don't wait for a response. What did God do? Uh, I guess I didn't really check. <laughs> it's like, God does answer prayer. When I pray, I pray with expectation. God, you're going to do something in return. And so we need to do the same. The answer may not always be what we expect, but God will speak to us. He will answer, and he did for Daniel. And sometimes, as I mentioned before, that sometimes God's answer is no. Or not yet. How many of you like to be told no? Anyone? Anyone? I like to be told no. You cannot have that right now. That's an answer, believe it or not. It's an answer from God, and sometimes God will tell us no. There are other times when we feel like God is silent, and sometimes it's because he's already doing something. Maybe we also need to catch up with where God is. Sometimes it's because of our own sin issues that we haven't been able to hear God's word and his answer for us. Because when we're living in sin, it says even in 1 Peter or 2 Peter that our prayers are hindered at times. And that's because of sin issues. And that's talking about a marriage relationship in that particular passage. That might, um, that night God revealed the mystery to Daniel in that vision. And we don't know exactly um, what this is. It may have been a dream or supernatural vision that happened that night. We don't know how he revealed it to him. Um, but it was the answer that Daniel needed. And Daniel immediately praised and thanked God. Woke up praising God. And, and that's what was written in that passage. His response uh, to that. He raises up. Uh, he, he was saying he praised God and thanked him. He was praising God for changing situations and raising up leaders and removing them in their time. He also gave thanks to God for his wisdom and knowledge and reveals hidden mysteries, and he answers prayer. That's a good thing. That's a good maybe memory verse for you to uh, put on your refrigerator. But Daniel had confidence in his God. Otherwise, he wouldn't have ever gone to the king and asked for time. It's like, I'm just going to wait for him to executioner to come. I'm done. My time on earth is done. And, you know, he could have done that just just easily gave up. He knew God could give the answer, and so he could praise him before the answer even came. Daniel had the certainty in his faith to believe that God gave him the answer, even before confirming it before Nebuchadnezzar. I hope this is from you, God. I really do, because I'm going to go to the king right now, and I hope this is exactly what, what it was, because, whew, but he did. He had confidence in that. And I read this the other day that our level of faith is often indicated by how long it takes for us to start praising God. 
our level of faith is often indicated by how long it takes for us to praise God. If we, don't, if we won't praise him until the answer is at hand, then we don't have much faith. Faith begins before the answer. And then when the answer is given, it's even more that greater faith is given for us to praise God when the promise is given and then received. Thirdly is that Daniel reveals the dream to the king. And uh, I always encourage you, when you get a word from the Lord or a dream or a vision uh, from God, I encourage people to write it down. You know, write those things down. What does God speak into you, particularly when you read the Bible, hopefully on your own, in your own daily devotional times? You write down those God moments and those God thoughts. Because often it is for you to receive edification and building up and learning from the Holy Spirit, but often those words will be meant for someone else for you to share along the way. It might be here on a Sunday morning. It might be in the checkout line at the grocery store saying, hey, you know what? Can I just share just in a 30 seconds or less what God spoke to me today? Because I think it's for you. And that might be a vision. It might be something that God also inspires you to do. And I encourage you to do that when you get something from God. Share it. It may even be during those, time, those personal devotional times that he speaks to us and allows you to encourage someone else. It's not just for pastors or priests or you know, other, other people in the ministry or the cloth to do that. It is for you. God speaks to people like you and me. Daniel reveals Nebuchadnezzar's dream that was this big statue, this large statue that he saw, and it was a prophetic dream. And the head was of the statue was made of this pure gold, its chest and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet made of partially iron and partially of baked clay. So these different parts of this large statue that he revealed to the king. And while you were watching, it says, a rock was cut out, not by human hands. It struck the statue on the feet of iron and clay, and it smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were broken to pieces. And at the same time, they became like chaff on the threshing floor as in the summer. And then the wind swept it away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became this huge mountain and it filled the whole earth. And so this was this prophetic um, dream and interpretation of what uh, Daniel was explaining that the different parts of this body, statue's body, were describing all different kingdoms. Um, with the head of gold was significant of Nebuchadnezzar himself. That head of gold was you. That is what you represent the head of that statue. Then the big rock that destroys all the kingdom was essentially the kingdom of God that will eventually become this mountain that will never fade away. And so if you can imagine the imagery that Nebuchadnezzar's, uh, to his amazement, that Daniel's describing this vision to him accurately, describing what he had seen in his dream. Uh, then it's starting in verse 36, Daniel begins to interpret the meaning of all those portions of that statue. Starting with the statue's head of gold, he said it was Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, you are clearly that golden figure, the head of gold, after you would come three other kingdoms after you. Now, if you know about Babylon, ancient Babylon, it was a humongous empire, huge empire. It was one that they thought would never, ever be conquered by foreign enemies. It had walls as thick and wide that they used to run chariots around it. Um, interestingly enough, when later on in Daniel you read about King Belshazzar um, that had the handwriting on the wall and he was taking the articles of, from the temple and, and praising the God and the silver and this is so wonderful that the handwriting on the wall appeared and um, Daniel appeared to him and talked to him about that. 
says, your days are numbered and uh, you will be taken captive and conquered. And that very night is when Belshazzar was killed. The Medo-Persian era came in and you know how they actually conquered Babylon? The impenetrable walls? Have you ever read about this? They went through the aqueduct underneath the wall and came into it. Whoa, they didn't think about that. Maybe you should have put gates along the, <laughs> underneath the wall <laughs> so they couldn't get in, but they did. They found a way in and took over. But it was all part of God's plan that they were the Medo-Persian era. Uh, this is uh, the fulfillment. These three dominating empires that came after Babylon was the Medo-Persian era, then the Greece era, and then Rome after that. So the nature of these empires was actually revealed by the nature of the image that Nebuchadnezzar was given in his dream. The empires that succeeded Babylon were inferior to Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, of, represented in the gold in the sense of their centralization of absolute power compared to Babylon. Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar uh, had this absolute monarchy, um, whereas the succeeding empires were progressively less. Although they were large and they lasted longer than Babylon, none of them was as much uh, centralized power as Nebuchadnezzar did. And for those interested in history, uh, Babylon empire stood for 66 years, only 66 years of that empire then the Medo-Persian era after it for 208 years, following by the Grecian Empire for 185 years. And then the longest of those was the Roman Empire, which stood for more than 500 years. And so then the fourth and the final kingdom it talks about in that is actually unknown, um, it is represented with clay mixed with this iron, and it's described as a divided kingdom that will be the final uh, kingdom represented. Uh, it will be part strong, represented by the iron, but part frail, represented by the clay. But it also is represented, and it's talked about these uh, ten toes, obviously. The ten toes represented in the feet represent 10 kings of this federation or this empire eventual, eventually. So this is also described in Daniel chapter 7, if you want to look about this or read more, where Daniel had this dream and it was interpreted. These same 10 kings are seen as 10 horns as well. You can also read this because it's talking about future, even to this day. It hasn't happened yet. Revelation chapter 17 talks about 10 horns representing 10 different leaders or kings who will give their authority to the beast. Uh, now, since the fall of the Roman Empire, there has never been a world-dominating empire equal to Rome. Many have tried. Uh, you can see the Huns, the Islam, the so-called Holy Roman Empire, the Napoleon, Hitler, Stalin, uh, and, and you know myriads of others that have attempted to conquer the world, but none have succeeded. Each of these had amazing power and influence, but none compared to that of the Roman Empire. So the Roman Empire, in some or form or another, will be uh, revived, if you will, under the leadership of the final fallen dictator, the Antichrist. Does this make any sense to anybody? Okay. So then the final revelation in this dream was that in the time of these 10 kings, uh, uh, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And it will crush with this rock, you can say it, the rock of ages, uh, the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, will crush the feet and it will all crumble. Every bit of it will be destroyed. All kingdoms of the earth will come to a final end. But the kingdom of God will endure forever. Verse 44. 
And so this stone uh, cut without the hands, it talks about, is representing the Messiah, not the church. Uh, but in, you can read other portions. I can give you some references. Uh, Psalm 118.22, Isaiah 8.14, Isaiah 28 and 16, and also Zechariah 3, verse 9, also refer to Jesus as a stone, including those in the New Testament as well. But therefore, the final superpower of the world is thought to be a revival of this, this Roman Empire or a configuration or continuation of that type of image. It will be the final world empire that will be uh, returning when Jesus will conquer. So it will encompass, you know, a sense of united nations, of, of these ten federations of kings. You could see a little bit of this kind of formulating even in our, as we can see the sign of the times, even in our day today. Now, after interpretation of this dream, King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before prostrate before Daniel and honored him and gave him gifts and made him the ruler over the entire province of Babylon, over the, all the wise men, and he granted Daniel's request. Daniel had a request as well, and that was, hey, while you're at it, can you help appoint my friends, <laughs> my, my three friends at the same time? And he did. Can you even imagine the sight of this? Can you imagine this? What just took place? That the same king that conquered your country, that killed your people, probably your family members and friends, that destroyed Jerusalem and made you a eunuch and put you in the school of indoctrination so that you could serve him, was now bowing down, laying flat on his face before you. And you're like, wow. Wow. Wow, God. This was a wow God moment. You know, the king of the whole, basically the largest king of gold of the entire world was bowing down to you. That was a God moment, I would say. Giving honor to Daniel, but also to his God. Only God could do amazing things like that. And even as I read the things on the news or see things in our world, I'm like, God, this world is done. You know, and a lot of, sometimes I just like, I'm frustrated. And I'm like, God, you can, this is the scripture that took me to this week, a reminder to me, and I love this verse. Reminds me in Second, First Chronicles uh, 29, 11 through 12. I think we have it up there. Everything in the heavens and the earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. We adore you as being in control of everything. Everything. Riches and honor come from you alone. And you are the ruler of all mankind. Your hand controls power and might. And it is at your discretion that men are made great and given strength. That's a powerful verse. I love that translation and uh, it's today's English version. It's not the most common version, but I love the way the imagery in that, that they bring that scripture out. This scripture that David wrote is a reminder and a reassurance who is ultimately in control. God is sovereign and he is Lord of everything. We do adore him because he is in control of everything and everything belongs to him and God is ultimately the one who brings promotion. 1 Peter 5, 6, it's always been a good life verse for me for quite a number of years now. God shows us that he brings his godly, his people, his godly people, that is, promotion. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And if you humble yourself under his mighty hand, that he will raise you up in due time. And sometimes I haven't been patient with his due time. Sometimes I want it in my due time. My due time is not God's due time. <laughs> but uh, I recommend doing it according to his due time. And that starts with humility. 
If you come under the mighty hand of God, then the mighty hand of God will come under you and he will lift you up in his time. Whenever the Bible refers to the mighty hand of God, it usually refers to his power and his ability. So coming under the mighty hand of God is coming under his ability and his power more than about your ability and your power. And humbly submitting to that. And then when we humbly submit to that, he does promote you in his plan and his purpose and his dream for you. And that's what happened to Daniel. Lastly is that Daniel is rewarded with honor, even when he wasn't looking for it. I'm just trying to make it to the next day, God. <laughs> I, was just trying to, I was just trying to save my life. But God, you, you have the king now laying before me. And there's so much that Daniel had to endure during his captivity in Babylon. And it certainly was not all good. But he made the best of his circumstances. And he remained humble. He remained faithful to God. And God saw that in Daniel and he answered Daniel's prayers. He gave him this supernatural wisdom and understanding. And Daniel had the confidence in his God that he knew that everything... Um, God knew everything and he could give him exactly what he needed, that revelation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream and the interpretation. And that's exactly what happened in this situation. He first went to ask the king for time to pray. And then when that revelation came, he went to the king in humility, but also with boldness. It started with humility, and then God gave him the revelation so that he could go to him with confidence and with boldness to share it. And I don't think Daniel expected to receive the honor the king uh, gave him, but it probably was a welcome surprise <laughs> in, that, in that moment. I don't imagine the king had ever, ever, ever bowed before someone before. But that day, he immediately knew that God's that Daniel's God knew his dream and it was very powerful and real for him. You just never know what God can do through you, what situations he will bring you through. And this, this turns things around that can seem impossible because there's nothing too difficult for our God. God um, did a, something amazing that day and Daniel not only received the revelation and then interpretation but saved his, as well as, get this, saved all the magicians and the sorcerers and magicians and such. And you might go, well, king, while you're at it, could you kill those guys, but just leave us? That's okay if you still kill them, because they're not godly. That would be okay with me. We'll get rid of those bad guys. But it's also very interesting that God spared them. And God does spare the righteous and the unrighteous. And he still does because he doesn't want anyone to perish. But for everyone to come to repentance and to salvation. And that's interesting that later on in Daniel chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar was driven away and he went crazy for a while. Um, because of his pride that was later... He had to be brought to his senses and he was humbled, restored, and... It says in that chapter, you can read later, that he actually started praising God. And the amazing thing is that it appears that he was later converted as well. An ungodly king that was guilty of a lot of charges. That God loved him just as much as he did Daniel. And God loves us just as well as everyone in this world. He, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but give, be given eternal life. And that is exactly what we all recognize. We all need Jesus. You have loved ones, as we've already prayed this morning, for those. That God would continue to have you pray for those. Intercede for those people, that they may also come to a faith and knowledge of their Savior, Jesus. I just want to take a moment as well. If there's anyone here today or perhaps watching online on our service today, that if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, that it is a really starts with a prayer.
Starts with saying yes. Starts with saying, I need you, Jesus. I repent for my sin. I turn from that. And just as Howard shared earlier this morning, love is also obedience. Love is that I start obeying, I start following Jesus. I say it, but I also have to mean it, what I say, right? You can say I love you, but it actually has to be shown in actions as well. And that's what we do. We respond to God's love and we say, God, I, I receive the gift of salvation, the gift of your love. And then I'm going to respond for the days of my life remaining that I will take up my cross. I will consider the cost. I will follow you all the days of my life. And you will change me. You will change me through and through, inside and out, to be more like yourself. And that is exactly what we do, Lord. We thank you for the gift that you've given to us. Thank you for this story that demonstrates your mighty working power, that you reveal mysteries and you still do. You still answer prayer. Thank you that Daniel did not compromise his beliefs one bit, but he always remained strong in his faith in you, that this may be inspiring for all of us, Lord, that we can also put our trust in you, that nothing is too difficult for you, that you do answer prayer, that even the most ungodly leaders in our world today, they're nothing for you. Because, Lord, just as I read that scripture, that you are in control of everything. But it also starts not just in control of everything that I recognize. Lord, I let you be in control of my life. I give you the authority, the reign and rule in my life. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and it starts within my own heart right now. That I put my faith and assurance in you that you are my Savior, but I also allow you to be my Lord and the one I follow. And I will be obedient to follow you, Lord, the rest of my life. I commit to that today and to tomorrow I will again. Each and every day, I love you and I serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. My name is Billy, and I'm the online media director here at Polson Foursquare. I hope that the message was encouraging to you, and if it was, consider subscribing or following us, or even sharing it with a friend. If you're looking for more information, you can find that at polsonfoursquare.org, or check out our Facebook. With that, I hope that you have a blessed week and we'll catch you next time.